0: You know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences, uh, I respond to big comedy sequences. It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up, everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a, a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience.
1: Welcome to Making Tarantino, the podcast. I'm your host, Philip Duke. And today I'm here with a guy who is like right from my own heart. It was very funny because I told on the last show how this guy, I was like, who's some of your favorite directors? And he goes, well, Ingmar Bergman, as he pushes up his glasses. And I said, oh man, this fucking guy, he's going to be one of these artsy douchebag guys. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm the same, like talking to... Uh, the guy coming on the show is Tim Martin, but talking to him, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is me. Like I could talk to this guy about silent films, comedies, uh, movies that are coming out, uh, Hitchcock, Scorsese, whatever. So uh, anyway, uh, Tim Martin, uh, introduce yourself. Did I do good? Was that okay?
2: I was going to do a bit. <laughs> I was going to do a bit. Oh, I was oh. gonna, you were. I was going to, I was going to be like, when you said, i'm philip and i'm joined with and i was gonna go his cousin chip hello that's right. everybody that's right we could go back i was gonna and do, do that, that but no no it's too late we've, we've <laughs> gone too late far. Now. yeah we've gone too far yeah yeah shout um, out chip
1: i had forgot about that yes uh shout out to chip even though he won't listen he'll be like what did you do the show was i'm gonna
2: make it? him listen i'm gonna message Wait. him personally. there you go there
1: you go there you go i'll give you his phone number you can write him and be like this is perfect, perfect listen to call I follow I,
2: Pretty sure I follow oh, him on Instagram, yeah. but but yeah, give me his personal number. Yeah. Give me his address. I'll show yeah, yeah, up.
1: Yeah, yeah random. He'll be like, Oh, it's just a it's just a, a Instagram message, and then he'll be like, Oh wait, I just got a text. Oh well, fuck this guy. And then it'll be a letter will come in the mail and it'll be And then like, all of a sudden hey, I'm knocking please. on his door. Yeah, yeah, and then he'll be like, wait a minute, how the fucking Philip. <laughs> um but anyway on this podcast we watch and discuss a list of movies quentin tarantino recommends see if they've influenced his work and see what they're all about is the main thing um so uh yeah tell us about yourself tim tell them about you
2: well i'm tim uh i was on phil's former show my Celluloid heart quite a bit uh, i believe we talked about a couple of Chaplin films uh <clears throat> Kurosawa, sergio leone i don't think we talked about any new movies on your show i think we i literally came on for you know whenever you're doing an old movie and chip was like no yeah yeah yeah, then i was like i'll fill in i got this yeah uh but i when i was on your last show i was like a part-time podcaster occasional podcaster now i'm a podcaster on indefinite hiatus still (laughs) yeah yeah i still haven't made up my mind if i want to bring it bring back the show but right now i'm like you know what i'll probably just cancel it for the moment because um, I'm currently being a filmmaker and a producer. Uh, my last directorial film, Sushi, currently on YouTube right now, uh, had a very successful film festival run. uh, got to go see it in New York, which was really cool. Um, then I produced Arsenio's film, Whispers, and then currently working on uh, my next film project that I'm co-producing, was a co-writer and director on, which is uh, Beyond the Mezzanine, which is our team and myself's first attempt at a feature length project.
1: Yeah. That, uh, this is one where I, I think I talked about in the show. I read this script. I've read scripts before or other people's work and you don't get the vibe of it. And this, I felt the mood and I was like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is good stuff. And not knowing what was coming and being like, Oh, is this guy going to do this? Is he going to do that? Like mm-hmm. very cool.
2: Yeah. That was the whole, uh, so, I can talk a little bit a little bit about backstory of it. So Alex and I kind of we didn't come up with it wasn't like we came up with the story and everything like on the spot. But mm. uh, while we were location scouting sushi, you know, we're going around downtown Valparaiso, and and Alex is pointing out stuff to me because I I've been to Valpo but never like you know been in the downtown. And you know, it's just a typical like I feel like every Midwest downtown got that same vibe of like you know kind the courthouse is the center downtown, and then you got the, yeah. Which is it's nice. I I like those Midwest uh quaint towns. Like my parents are gonna be in one in Ohio. Uh, Valpo's got one. Um, uh, Naperville, which we also shot some of sushi in, also has that same similar feel. But you know Naperville's all the richy Rich people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were location scouting sushi, and Alex points out this theater, and she's like, hey, that theater's been around since like the 1910s. The building next to it's the old jail, and I think still or like the old jail, but then the police. Stations right behind it, so like the new jail's behind it. That's cool. She's like, she's like, that was built in the 1910s, and like, rumor has it it's like haunted. And also, rumors is like there was tunnels underneath the theater connected to the jail, and it was like underground tunnels to like move people. And then all of a sudden, in my brain, I'm like, that's a movie. Yeah. And then we just we just kind of kept that in the the back of our minds, even like while filming sushi, we always would like go back to the downtown, like even when we were filming there, and Alex and I would look at it and be like, all right, let's what kind of what kind of energy can we get from that? What kind of story we can we tell? And then we were talking with one of our actresses, uh, Olivia. Uh, We call her Liv, so I'll just be saying Liv. Uh, We were talking to her, and we were kind of being like, you know, we kind of want to do this project. Uh, We didn't know if it was going to be a short or a feature. We were just like, we just want to do this project. We're like, we kind of want to do like an old haunted theater. Because I remember walking by it at night with Alex, and and there's like a window. And I'm like, how creepy would it be if we just like look up, and there's like just a silhouette. Yeah. And like one of us sees it and then it just like moves away. And then we go in and like the building's empty. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, trying to scare one one another kind of vibe. And that kind of became one of the scenes in the film uh, or in the script. Um, And then we were talking to Liv and we were saying like, oh, we kind of want to do this and kind of maybe like do it like a a retro 1920s thing. And she's like, well, one of my goals as an actress is to be in a period piece. And Alex and I both looked at each other. We're like... (laughs) We're like, we're (laughs) going to write this movie for you. And that's what we did. We ended up writing the lead role, the dual role for her. Uh, We wrote the other one of the supporting roles for Aaron, who was the lead in Sushi as well. That's cool. And then as soon as we wrapped production on Sushi, Alex and I immediately started getting to work on like researching and kind of like brainstorming characters um, and kind of laying out the plot. Mm -hmm. and then we wrote the first draft maybe in like a month and a half I want to say so like about 60 something pages within the first month Mm -hmm. um and then it took us about like another year to kind of like rewrite and Mm -hmm. like tune it yeah and then we were like very precisely going back and like rereading the whole script and like making sure everything in the timeline of the script kind of like correlated with exactly how we wanted the story to play out like there's a certain part where the great depression kind of takes a certain aspect in the film the movie city lights also kind of plays yeah. into the film as well and like we were yeah. kind of t- trying to tie it in timeline wise of like this would make sense in real life
1: mm-hmm. no and we're gonna have your indiegogo on the in the show notes um yeah it's it's way cool and now when you're collaborating with someone this isn't all gonna be about this guys we're gonna do something else we're gonna do that we'll get to the uh, hands we'll of to the topic hard body. Today. yeah yeah um but like Chip and I talk about like when Quentin first said like, oh yeah, when you write a script, you know, they go, how did you know to, you know, that he was going to cut off the guy's ear? Where did you come up with that? And he's like, I didn't know he was going to do that until he reached in his boot and pulled out a straight razor. And when I first read that, I hadn't written enough to understand. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't, what do you mean? And then when you write, you go, oh, he like, Quinn will say you write 40% of it and then all of a sudden it takes over and you just let it write itself. You're just a stenographer. When you're doing that with someone else, do you get into that zone and you just write your side and then you send it to her and then she writes her, she goes through it all the way, or do you kind of talk back and forth like
2: Nope. We're on we so our writing process is very much like 50-50 of like well 50 50 and then i get very distracted because i'm like oh like i get in director mode i'm like oh we we can do this and i start pulling clips Mm -hmm. and then i get very distracted i'm like oh this Uh, actor was in this and and then alex is like tim we need to get back to writing yeah and i'm like just give me a second yeah um no i i feel like our writing process is very similar to like what quentin is like he didn't know it was going to happen until it happens like we wrote we basically wrote beyond the mezzanine start to finish like in sequential order we're like okay like we're here now we get to here now we get to here now we get to here and then when we rewrote we're like all right so this this scene is good like we don't need to rewrite this but like how can we make this more important before and after this scene yeah. and kind of like tweaking it that way yeah um a lot of the rewrites that we did um i mean like as far as like the atmospheric stuff and everything that you were talking about a lot of that stayed the same mm-hmm. um and then i think it also helped beneficially like alex is definitely more from a writer's perspective where i come from like a writer's pers- perspective as well as a director so when i'm writing i'm visualizing like how am i going to film this right. how can yeah. I... so like when i'm writing i'm like all right this is how i want to film it and then i'm kind of explaining it to alex like we can write it this way because this is exactly how i'm picturing yeah. filming it and then she kind of sees it as well um don't there you there is a lot of
1: i i love it now that there's youtube that exists because before like i explained when you were on the show and talked to chip where when i was going to do a film a short film. And I was like, it's like that scene in seven where he's by the garbage truck and he's got the gun to his temple. And my buddy's like, I don't remember every fucking shot from every fucking movie. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, but now you can just bring it up and be like this no, scene right here. Yeah.
2: And that's exactly what I would do. Cause there's like, you know. And I have a bunch of the those Blu-rays and everything. And like when I would hang out with Alex, I would bring those movies up and be like, "Hey, we're gonna watch this because this is exactly kind of what I'm going for." And it also helps that her and I have seen a lot of the same stuff that inspires us. So yeah,
1: that's cool.
2: Like she hasn't seen a lot as much old stuff as I have. So like I was showing her movies like Vampire and like City Lights and stuff and Carnival of Souls because she hasn't seen those. But we also have that very similar niche of like. We both love Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor. So we both love that vibe. And she's yeah. also seen some Guillermo films as well. Um, and- I don't think she's seen Night of the Hunter yet. I think I'm going to show her that because oh. there's also a, a lot of oh, influence shit. from that in this project.
1: Everybody has to see Night of the Hunter. Everybody um,
2: does need to see Night of the Hunter.
1: One more thing is, um, damn it, I almost lost it, um, is, uh, ah, shit, it was something kind of important. Oh, what was the movie, Vincent Price, in a theater, like Theater of Blood or what was that called? Cause that one kind of had that where like he's a killer and like he's killing off either critics or whatever that gave him a bad review the last time he was, you know, on. It's pretty cool. I like that sounds
2: like that's like a lot of Vincent Price movies, I feel like. But
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fill in the title here.
2: Pretty much. Uh let me see if I can find it on IMDb real quick.
1: All right. Well, while you're doing that, um, yeah, it was like in the early seventies, late sixties. I'm I sh- uh, oh, oh, sorry.
2: Oh, go ahead. Go I ahead. I was going
1: to say I want to give a shout out to my friends on Twitter. We have a group chat and it's called Film Buds. And I was going to name everybody here, but they all have like the Twitter names and they all have like the regular name. So I'm like, no, I'll just leave it at a shout out. But we're having a hell of a time. Like, I'll be like, Oh, have you guys seen, you know, any uh, S Craig Zoller? And they'll be like, Oh yeah. And you know, I'm like bone Tomahawk made me nauseous. So uh, just want to give that out. As Greg Zoller is see- also
2: great. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Uh, Vincent Price. But,
1: um, it's okay. There's it, a bunch. It's probably a thousand movies. It's okay. You probably if you said theater, something, no, no, no,
2: yeah, you were you're right. It was Theater of Blood.
1: Okay. Okay. So yeah, that was uh, that was pretty good and creepy and cool. Um, I yeah, still I'd haven't say, seen the Doctor Fibes movies, but I need to see those.
2: I would say a lot of the influence on Beyond the Mezzanine. Uh, we do a lot of silent films, obviously was like a big inspiration. So like films like vampire, there's a lot of like film techniques I want to use from, from that film. Yeah. Uh, in in Mezzanine, uh, Night of the Hunter, like any German expressionist film or like any, uh, what is it? Low key lighting film, like noir films, anything yeah. with like harsh we, shadows, a lot of long seen, takes.
1: Have you ever seen Sunrise with... Uh... That, that the, is one that's, w. that's been Murnau on my was?
2: list. That's been on my list for a, a long time. I love F.W. Murnau.
1: It's really good. And then there's that one, The Man Who Laughed. Have you seen that one? That's really I've seen
2: good. seen bits and pieces of that as well. I mean, also, because oh, Man Who laughs? Uh Lon Chaney's not in that one. But Lon Chaney was also a big influence on mm-hmm. our main antagonist of the film.
1: He's on a really good one with uh, Joan Crawford that I can't think of the name, but it's really fucking good. But anyway subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast after subscribing leave us a review follow us on instagram and twitter and sometimes on facebook you ready to get into this show i have i'm uh, ready it's a contest they say
3: of stamina but it's who can maintain their sanity the longest gee whiz how far will we go I'm going to be here to I pass out. The world record, I think, is 120 hours. What? I can stay up about 101 hours. I think that was set at some university under laboratory conditions.
0: My feet hurt, my legs hurt.
3: Well, this is by far not a laboratory. <laughs> this is uh, real life.
1: Chip came up with a thing called Tarantino Talks, but it kind of sounds like TED Talks, and it's just him talking about the movie that we're doing. So uh, here's a little bit of Tarantino uh, talking about hands on a hard body.
4: Uh, is it cool for you, because uh, we have something in common. We both worked at video stores. Yeah. Uh, is it cool that uh, your, your movies are now... Well, I guess video stores are no, no longer. Unfortunately. <laughs> That's a sad thing. At one point, it was in there.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, they, oh, no, they were definitely in there, yeah. actually. Um, Did you like working at a video store? I loved it. Yeah, no, I, it was actually, I think it was... In, until I was a director, I think it was, like, the job I was absolutely the best at, <laughs> right? uh, Like, to be sure. Yeah. Um, Did people come in and get re- recommendations from you? Yeah, well, no, well, that was one of the things that was cool, at least at the beginning. One of the things that was actually cool was... Um, you know, me being me, I, I wasn't just a normal video clerk just, you know, uh, put, giving you Top Gun in your uh, case and sending you out the door. Uh, people would come in and ask me what I uh, what I thought about, about this movie or that movie, and I would help them out. And I wouldn't just, you know, stick my taste on them. I'd try to find out who they are, all well, right? So if somebody would say, uh, 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 I, well, do you have a good comedy? Well, you can't just give anybody any comedy. You have to find out what they like, all right? You know, so you would like, Well, what are a couple of comedies do you think are good comedies? So if they say Ghostbusters and Caddyshack, well, then I have a really clear idea of where they're coming from. If they're saying the Alec Guinness Ealing comedies, then I have a different idea about where they're coming from. You know, and so I would always try to steer it towards them. But the thing that was actually kind of cool is, like, for a little bit there, um, like, for a couple years, frankly, you know, it was like I was Andrew Sarris, and Video Archives was my village voice right you know it literally was i was a, i was like a, the film critic of the neighborhood and and i became in a weird way it was also my primer on becoming famous <laughs> you were the, that was your favorite? oh i got really in that neighborhood i got really famous all right so people so I, stopped I know, you on the street and be like yeah well 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 they knew me also so yeah of course they stopped me on the street but it would be like a situation where like, okay, so um, I'm taking a break. I'm gonna go walk up to the Jack in the Box and get a Coke uh, that's about four blocks up the street. And I'm walking up the street, and people would drive by. Hey, Quentin! How you doing? Whoa! Yeah, hey, yeah. Quentin! Yo, Quentin! Yeah, yeah. Hey, You got
4: sunglasses Quentin, on, Quentin,
0: Quentin. you're just like... Yeah, yeah. I go into a movie theater. Like, there was a Man 6 that was uh, down the street. And me and some of the other guys from Video Archives, we'd walk in to go see a movie. And then we'd hear, as we passed by people, like, those are the guys from Video Archives. Those are the guys <laughs> from Video Archives. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> Did you have a go-to movie that you would recommend to everybody all the time? Uh, I don't believe in go to movies. All right, not to everybody. Not yeah. to everybody. Not to everybody. Right. Yeah. I had a, I had one I would give to. Oh, oh, oh what was yours?
4: It was the Evil Knievel documentary. Oh wow! <laughs> I loved it. It's my favorite thing I've ever seen in my life. It was so one not the, not the
0: George Hamilton Evil Knievel. No, no, movie. no, no, I, yeah. no.
4: <laughs> no,
0: that one. I don't even I know like we had that, that in the actually, story. Yeah. <laughs> this
4: one was like a documentary that he produced or something. That he produced. No, oh, my it's goodness. Fantastic. He's driving in an RV. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever seen. He's driving an RV, and he goes, uh, he's dr- he goes, uh, I'll, t- I'll talk about anything. The camera's on. He's like, I'll talk about anything in this whole movie. You know, that's why I'm doing this documentary. I'll talk, to- I'll talk about anything in my whole career, mm-hmm. except for the years 1973 to 1974. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he yeah. never talked about that for the rest oh, of the documentary. You
0: know now that you said that, we actually did. We actually did. It was a documentary that was done in Austin, Texas, and it was a movie called Hands on a Hard Body. Yes! I mean, I think it's one of the greatest documentaries ever made. Oh, the guy who eats the Snickers bar? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the guy who eats the Snickers bar is to have the energy. And the thing about, you know, that was a movie that if you commit to it, yes. you're going to love it. At yes, the end. I totally absolutely. agree. Yeah,
4: yeah That was your go-to one. Yeah, that
0: yeah. was my go-to one.
1: So, Hands on Hardbody, 1997. The plot, two dozen small town Texans compete for a brand new hard body pickup truck at a local car dealership. The event is a contest of endurance and sleep deprivation. Whoever can remain standing the longest with one hand on the truck will get to drive it home. Capturing several days of lunacy, laughter, struggle, and heartbreak, Hands on a body is more than a documentary about winning a truck. It is a remarkable study of competition, camaraderie, faith, and determination. The ultimate human drama. So,
2: Absolutely. Not,
1: exactly. I'm not going to tell you who stars in this. Uh, it was written by nobody because it's a documentary. Uh, but it was directed by S. R. Bindler, and they're in what was that Texas town? Something with an L. Uh,
2: I think it was Austin. Was
1: no, it was. It was close. Was it? To there every because every time I hear, Ter-
2: Qu- I was hearing Quentin Tarantino talks, talks about Austin.
1: Yeah. Okay. But it's uh something with an L. I can't even think of it now. But mm. it, everybody's yelling. Was it, it
2: a Longview? I think it was Longview. Something
1: like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But this is interesting because when you first start watching it, I was wondering how you took this and then we'll get to listener opinions. But when you first started watching this, you're kind of like, oh, these are like Jerry Springer rejects, you know, and you're like, oh, this is going to be that. But then you get into their stories and you love these people and you're like, oh, it's not this at all. It's like this is a good little thing. Like in the listener opinions, they talk about this couldn't be made today. Because I was thinking about that too. You'd have either people who were chatting, somebody would bring up politics or something, and then there'd be a fight. Or somebody would blame somebody for cheating and there'd be a fight. It wouldn't be as nice as this was, you know?
2: I, I feel like yes or no. I feel like I might agree that it couldn't be made today only from the fact of like technological advances, because I feel right, like, every, right. I feel like everything would be... Well, they'd be on their phone with this being a documentary and, like, such a small camera crew. Like, they can't capture everything. I feel like everybody would be, like, under yeah. the wire of, like... Be, yeah, there'd be, there'd like be so GoPros, many different camera GoPros
1: all over the car. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, very true. But, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that, too, where he was like, you just get bored and you got to do something to not be bored. And And the thing of people now are they know more like that we'll get to it but one of the things is that guy eating the snickers bars and that coach comes and says you can't just eat sugar for you know that's going to break down it's not good
2: i almost bought some snickers for this episode
1: oh oh, that would have been great i would have then been uh, wanting one um you ready to get to some listener opinions i'm ready all right
2: man i don't even have an opinion
0: Well, you gotta have an
3: opinion.
1: Pedro Jimenez on Twitter wrote, quote, I really love this doc. Before reality TV, this was a very unique and special film, one of a kind, unquote. John Connell on Twitter wrote, quote, the guys on Pure Cinema Pod rave about this doc and I watched it last year. I was fully engrossed by this crazy competition and the characters who put themselves through it. Great film, end quote. And then Snakeskin Jacket, who's in our uh, group chat there on Twitter, wrote, uh, quote, these are just his notes that he shared me. And I go, I go, yeah, I'll share these Marine Corps conditioning, quote, I was in the Marine Corps Highlander, quote, there can be only one at 21 (laughs) minutes and 38 seconds. It's like a movie I once saw. It's called Highlander. And at the end, there can be only one and uh, quote, eventually you're going to need a truck. Eventually you're going to own a truck. And then Pride in that 20-ton AC unit with the the toothless old man. That dude is my
2: favorite. Fucking love that guy. He was one of my Uh, favorites.
1: Laughter and friendship wouldn't happen today. Uh, Marine stayed up five days. Benny Perkins won last year. I think it was two years before. Perhaps cheated. Christian Girl admits to making mistake during competition and voluntarily leaves. Uh, Will left and came back next day. I think that was Pete. Uh, came back was, the next day to support players who beat them
2: I think it was Pete yeah
1: um, values of humanity well and that other guy the kid the kid with the oh, yeah. bug, and bug maybe that yeah, was yeah. Will um, uh, because you see other people struggling fighting the same thing you're fighting then monologue on risk the ending if you really want something you keep your hands on it I really liked it it was cool how they had human connection and moments of solidarity Same contest would look much different today, end quote. And then your drunk aunt on Twitter wrote, quote, I love it. I went in cold, so didn't know what to expect, but see why it's so respected by QT and others. Like who knew these small town people could be such deep philosophers, end quote. And Ian Lynch Passarelli on Twitter wrote, quote, watching this reminds you how documentaries didn't always have to rely on emotionally charged music To manipulate viewers tonally. It's very hard for documentaries to be objective because the very nature of filming people is subjective. But I think this is a great example of an objective as can be in documentary. They tend to be way more affecting uh, just little interludes with the guitar. It's perfect and it doesn't need any more music than that. And then he added, this is one of my favorite movies that somebody recommended to me in 2023 so far. And then he added on a hands on a hard body. So this was all in our group chat. I had to go back and check everybody's on a hands on a hard body note. Janice and her husband are amazing. The sign he wears on his head to encourage her. It's so fucking wholesome and beautiful. I love this movie. And then he added again, also realizing something and watching most of this film for a second time. I think the title and the concept might be more revelatory than I had initially imagined. We all want to put out. Put our hands on a hard body, a corporal object that represents something we can work towards and physically claim a victory for ourselves. But is your is our quest and fight in this world something bigger than what we can just put our hands on? Bum bum bum. End quote. So yeah, everybody, especially on on the group chat. On twitter they were just like oh my god thanks for sharing this like oh and then they'd watch it again they were like i can't get away from this like i gotta watch that part again with the ac guy or whatever Mm -hmm. um so yeah benny perkins won i think this was filmed in 94 right because benny perkins won in 92 that lady won in 93 it's 94
2: 95.
1: yeah but the movie came out in 97 but um but that other lady remember her and that guy are talking about how it feels to win and he yeah. was like it was the best feeling ever well unless i would have won <laughs> then i would have. yeah ended. it was like
2: the the, the yeah. girl who won and i think one year's the runner-up was yeah. talking
1: yeah so that was the 93 people and then he won in 92 and and you wonder the first time watching this uh, to get to the end hopefully everybody's seen this but when benny perkins goes to do his drug test and then doesn't come back you're like oh, did he drop out because of the drug? And you're like, no, because he had to have known in 92-whatever years that they're going they to do a drug test. test. And he was pretty, like he said, after
2: you go numb, it's over. Well, and you could see, like, that was a pretty heavy limp that he was doing, yeah. too. Yeah. Big time, yeah. Like, especially with a documentary, you can tell, like, these guys, they're not actors. Like, yeah, yeah. These yeah. are real people. It's like, if you can act that limp... yeah. It's just a regular Joe Schmo. Yeah. Or just out of it.
1: But what was great for the documentary for directing, whatever you call it is all the stuff that they have. So Benny Perkins is like, if maybe some guy came in from the Marines, maybe he'd win. And all of a sudden it goes to the guy being like, yeah, so I was in the Marines and they're like, and they show Benny Perkins while the, the audio of the guy going like, I'm in the Marines. And you're like, Oh shit. Or him being like, the younger people can't do it and then that guy like this girl she's got it figured out she's doing this she's doing that and uh i think that was kelly kelly was like the one she She made it for at the end the four four she was
2: she was the one i think it was kelly Mm -hmm. she was the one that like so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna get in my reactions of this documentary so so, like at the beginning at the beginning i'm just like all right like I, i had flashbacks of like film school of editing uh we had a thing called dog show in editing mm-hmm. one where it's like edit this dot it's like editing a documentary with footage from a dog show and i'm like i don't want to do this like yeah and you, you can but you could edit it however you want so like i think some people like including myself made it like editing dog show as this like inhumane kind of thing oh <laughs> so right we yeah it, we made it look like a horrible experience for like the dogs and like yeah like this is awful That's and like should be re-scrutinized mm-hmm. but and at the beginning I'm like, oh, it's the nineties. So like and it's on YouTube, I think is where I watch it. So like it's not in like the highest quality. So like yeah. everything's overblown. Like and it's like, all right, that's a sign of the time. So it's like I I can get past it. And then you're like, all right, they're just putting their hands on a car and like this is all the documentary is gonna be. But then you know yeah. the more you find out about these people, like you said, like you get more invested. Like by the end of it, I'm like rooting rooting for certain people. And like if someone yeah. loses, I'm like, God damn it, like yeah. I wanted you to win. Yeah. But like I think Kelly was the one like obviously, I, you'd see people's effects yeah. before before that. Like, oh, like they made a mistake. They took their hand off, or like they just gave up. Like the marine, like he was too tired. Yeah, um, Kelly, Kelly was the Kelly one. Was... While
1: they were talking about it, right? She took her hand off the thing, put her hands down, and then put it back on the car.
2: Was that her? Oh, which one was the one? I think it was the one where she didn't even realize what she did because she was walking around the car, and then like, right. like you 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 took your hand off, you lost, and then. The, like everyone was talking to her and they're like she looked like yeah. she wasn't there yeah she started yeah. walking Kelly off with no one. shoes no no socks like she's yeah, like I'm going the, home
1: the manager of the whole competition was like I see her walking I'm like hey what are you doing and she just had a blank look on her face. That was I think barefoot, that was the moment that was the moment like, in
2: the doc where I'm like holy shit like yeah the lengths people are going to like this is insane. And now well, I'm it, in. Yeah it's like I, the, was in, I was in way before that yeah, but I yeah. was like holy shit this effect.
1: Well, and that one guy who was just like, like he was like, I think I can stay up. You know, I'm not sure. And then even Benny was like, you know, I'm going to try for the record. Maybe 102 hours is a record. So even if crazy. I win, the moment I'm they're still like, going to
2: go, yeah. The moment they're like, I'm going to go for 102 hours. I'm like, no. If you yeah. win, just take the track. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But that's the other thing where you can see when they're like, why go all this way and lose? Like, I'm going to keep in it. And then when they do lose, you feel bad because they just tore up their it? body to stay 74 hours and then Isn't that
2: what the the marine said He was like why go all this way if you're gonna lose and then like yeah. immediately after it was like that was when he's like i give up because like yeah. i don't have anything left it's like and it was like 45 hours in
1: well and then the guy i think it was will that he said will was the guy with the volkswagen who was like started getting loopy like almost immediately he was the first one to be like just like laughing and like falling asleep while standing and it was like holy shit and um, and it was it was just so interesting. And so like because I was thinking about this, I was like, it'd be nice to get some film lovers to get around a car, do something like this and film it. But also all it'd be is like, oh, what about Hitchcock's rear window? Oh, and then you just it would help your time go by because you could spout out about rear window right. or whatever. And then somebody else jump in with something.
2: I feel like with me, like if, if, but if I was in that scenario, I had my hand on a car and someone comes up to me, talks about film. I'm like, yeah. I talk with my hand. So I would take yeah, my hand and be like, we're going to do this shot. Yeah. And they're like, Tim, get the yeah. fuck out of here. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: You're like, like that push in. And they're like, no, you're like normal. You out. you, you know, got me talking, talking
2: right? about you got me talking about Tarantino.
1: But it's the thing I was thinking of this, too. Like, so recently I had to do this NFL event for security that I work for. And they were like, hey, it's a suit event. We're doing this thing for the NFL you you know you'll be around the thing and so you're standing there so i was standing there from like 5 p.m until 10 30 and i was like my feet are killing me like i'm in dress shoes and i'm like and before when i was younger i'm 51 years old when i was younger i was like "Ah, i can stand here all fucking day and not bitch and this time i'm like oh fucking you know it's just and so and
2: then they and then they mentioned the fact that like you can stand there but you can't lean like if your hands on the car and you're leaning i'm like dude i need to lean (laughs) yeah
1: you can't squat you can't lean you know you can move back and forth and then benny and jd have that thing right before they start where they'll crouch down because you can't crouch mm -hmm. down they'll crouch down kind of rest their feet and then do it and they get a five minute break every hour and a 15 minute break every six hours six hours.
2: Yeah. Every six hours, 15 minute break,
1: which is great. So then they're like eating their food and everything. And I'd be worried that I'd be talking to the fucking documentary crew and they'd be like, Oh, you too missed. Long.
2: Yeah. And it's like, Oh
1: shit. Um, I thought
2: there was going to be a moment in the film where that happened, where they're talking to somebody. And I thought for a second, like they were going to be talking too long to them and they were going to miss the yeah. the whistle.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it was, it was so good. Russell, I think was the guy that came back and what I was feeling there at the end. So like um, all these characters are great, but Norma is into her religious music. And they're like, she just listening to this stuff and laughing every once in a while. And they go, we're worried about her because she's going to fucking win this thing. And, and then like everybody on each side of the truck becomes like this, like, Russell or Peter, whichever the guy was that was close to Norma, he's like I came back to support her.
2: I think it was Peter was the one that was close to her.
1: Was it Peter or Paul? I Hang on. Oh, no,
2: no. I think it it was Paul. Paul. Paul, Yeah.
1: Yeah, Paul Prince came back. Um, That was it. Yeah. So he's like, she was on my side of the truck. I'm friends with her. And JD and Benny are like buddies. And Benny told JD like, if it's you and me, like, I'm still going to fucking win this thing, you know, and they were, you know, but it was, it's really interesting. These people who didn't even know each other. Then there's uh, Carrie Parker who I thought she's pretty cool. You know, she was pretty, she seemed like she had it together. Like she could do this. She was doing her makeup there. And I'm like, how do you not like how are you, you're going to mess up and take your hands off to do your makeup. Um, she ended up leaving. Um, but Janice and her husband, Don, and Don's got this hat that says "I love you, Janice, go baby go," made out of cardboard. That's like you know a Burger King hat, right? And I love how he says, uh, "I can stay up for 101 hours without sleep," and she's done four days without sleep. What and did then- he?
2: What did he? What did he say about his AC?
1: He said, did he 20, say he stole it? <laughs> 20 ton air unit brings it down to 12 below zero in his house. Did he, so,
2: did he say he stole it or that a company I, gave it to him? I
1: thought at first he did. And then he said, no, it was such a good deal at a Kmart was a that was steel. closing or something. And they there gave it to steel. him. And he, and he goes, most people have a three ton. I have a 20 ton. And they were like, so you're saying most people have three ton. You have 20 ton. And he goes, yeah, he goes, it gets 20, 12 below zero in there like I didn't know it would get that cold until it got that cold and you're like holy he's shit he's like I got that out quick yeah like what kind of house like oh my god but then him being like we're not running AC
2: we're gonna let her like she wanted to Well, then know. yeah and then he was like he, to his kids they're like go stay at her, go stay at our yeah, sister's house because st- yeah go stay, stay at aunt's her, house. Her, her sister's house because we're not gonna have air
1: and oh and the girl Angie maybe Angie was the good looking one Angie was the one that won the contest the next year Remember, oh, she, really? she was like i can't go through but um but paul prince was good like and it was interesting that judge in the beginning was like that guy's wearing boots what's he wearing boots for like he can't wear boots didn't, like,
2: and then didn't he end up changing into like flip-flops yeah he had, like, flip, he had like i think tennis shoes or flip-flops yeah but i still, think it was flip-flops he ended worked. up changing yeah, into yeah. but yeah the the most interesting thing i think about this doc Because again, at first you're like, oh, it's just a competition. They're gonna keep their hands on. But then, like again, you go through everybody, you find Mm -hmm. out everybody's like social and economic backgrounds and like what Mm -hmm. they want the truck for. So then you kind of like can grasp onto like, okay, I want to root for them because like someone was like, oh, I don't care about the truck. I'm gonna sell it when I get it because I gotta pay this off. Like I think it'll help me financially. I'm like, okay. And then other people are like, and we need a truck because we can't financially afford one, so we need this truck.
1: Yeah. And then Will was like, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna drive to California and become a stunt guy. Cause that yeah. seems cool. And then the, when the church people are talking about Norman, her husband sold the truck when before this one. competition to get the new one. And you're like, Oh my God, like they have no truck. And then the guy eating the Snickers bar is like, you know, you can't make money with a car. You make money with a truck
2: yeah and you're so like, I was
1: like oh he wants to get a job you know that's with- why
2: that's why i think at the beginning of the film i wasn't rooting for benny because i'm like dude you won like get yeah. the fuck out of here
1: i i think a lot of people are that way because i remember i, I, like, I felt I that liking ben yeah i remember i felt that way the first time i'm like i'm like ah benny he did win and he is kind of cocky but then you're like no i like him like no he's cool and him being like, him. like him being like, I figure out what food to eat. I gotta eat this, you gotta eat that, you can't, and that guy with the Snickers being like, So I tried to stay up, you know, and then I couldn't sleep on the before. And then Will being like, So I was gonna do this whole thing of like see how long I could stay up to get ready for it. And then his dad was like, You can't, you can't condition yourself, it's too late. And he's like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh JD and it's it's cool. understand documentaries you film a whole bunch of shit then i would really hate that like you figure with a movie you have a lot of footage with the documentary you have to have even more because that's how it was
2: with the doing the dog show editing that it's like you just have a bunch of footage and you don't know what the narrative is
1: yeah and so with this you got to be like and that's where you find the parts oh he said if you were a marine maybe okay now we'll cut to the guy that's a marine saying he's a marine and then let's cut to the young people you know
2: I think it was a benefit that not only did Bindler direct it, but he was also the editor on the film, Yeah, editor and producer. So it's like he, because I think with documentaries, I feel like as a director, you need to also have a hand in the editing because it's like, all right, you have, yeah. if you're doing a documentary, you obviously need to have like some sort of bias or like some message you're trying to get across. Yeah. So that way you have that through line narrative to get to the audience where it's like... You can't just direct a documentary and then be like, all right editor, like piece it yeah. together and like let's figure out what the story is. Yeah,
1: cuz then it's some, got no some heart. Some
2: people do. Yeah. Some people do, but it's kind of like I feel like you need to go into a documentary like knowing what your end goal is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was but all that little stuff and even the guy who's like so committed, the Snickers bar guy, unfortunately I don't know his name. Was that Tom? No. That was uh I forget. Maybe that was Russell. Um but he was saying where uh, he was going to eat Snickers bar. He's going he gonna do it. But then he's like, but there's a rain coming. If there's any thunder, if there's any lightning, I got to leave. I'm going to bow out. And you're like, you're so committed. But lightning will make you just be like, fuck it. And when he's like, I wish there was no tent. You're like, oh, that would have been worse. Like in the direct heat, that would have for one made you tired for two. Just been now it would be miserable in the heat and your feet and your legs. And like, oh.
2: But find the...
1: but uh, but then Norma takes off her headphones and just is like hanging out, and then she's getting weird. And then that lady coming from church, being like, "I prayed for it today," and she said it. Her husband said it about five o'clock. She really got. She's like, "I'm not taking full credit for it, but I'm just saying I prayed at five a.m. and she had this rejuvenation right. at five a.m. That's and, just a coincidence. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden um, she's now without her headphones and it cuts to them saying, well, she got those headphones on. She's something. And now all of a sudden she's getting loopy. It's been 74 whatever hours. And she's just kind of singing a song. And that guy's laughing. That's recording the documentary guy. And he's just like, okay. And then next thing you see is they're talking to that other guy. And all of a sudden he looks over and says, oh, she's out because she started clapping her hands to for the the Holy Spirit or whatever. And when she took her hands off to clap, they were like, you're done. And it was like, oh, shit, Like it was like so
2: good that moment with her taking her hands off to to clap to the hymn. And I, I forgot what her name is, but the other one. It was like a minute before the break happened. She took the glove off so she could scratch her palm. Yeah, yeah. Those two, I'm just like, God damn it. Like, you are so close. And like, they they both were just like, didn't realize it. Like, the lady was just like, I I heard something. Like, she heard them being like, oh, break in a minute. And she thought it was the break. And she started scratching her hand. I was like, no.
1: That's what's insane is remember Kelly that one time was sitting there. And they said break and they blew the whistle and everybody left and Kelly was still there still on the car. And they had to be like, Hey, Kelly, hello. It's break. And she was like, Oh,
2: she was talking about, um, with less people, she could move around the car and stay awake better. And then immediately she was like the moment she moved, like somehow she took her hands off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and she was trying to stay away from everybody. And I think part of it is talking to people like just kind of, you know, getting through the time. Cause like Benny said, it's fucking boring. You got to figure out something to do.
2: Yeah. And especially for like almost 80 hours.
1: Yeah. So before Norma gets out, Kelly ends up, like you said, not touching the car and they're like, you're done. And she's already kind of out of it. She's just in her own world, like, and she just leaves and they're like, you see her walking through the parking lot and, and like 3am. Like yeah. And that manager was like, I was showing up and I saw her, and I said, hey, where are you going? And she didn't respond. Had a look on her face barefoot. And I guess she's walking home. And I'm like, I hope she made it. Um, that's and, a great uh,
2: thing, too. I would have been like, make sure she, like, sends well, somebody to be like- with.
1: Yeah, with everybody. It's like, make sure the family's there. But also that other girl, I think it was not Angie, but uh, no, no, it was Kelly. Kelly was the one who had her parents were there with, like, the bucket of water, like, the garbage can full mm-hmm. of water that she would get in. Like that was clever, like all that stuff. Um, But then Paul Prince coming back, which you're like, this is really cool. And he's like, I became friends with these people. And he's getting teary eyed of just thinking about it. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to choke up. And what I would have liked to see, but it didn't happen until JD. But Paul Prince was there talking to Norma when she lost. And she's looking at, and they're looking at They're talking to each other. And I'm like, she needs a hug. Like somebody needs to give this girl a hug, you know, and nobody's hugging her. But then when JD, spoiler alert. So then they're going to do the drug test with Norma, Benny and JD. And Benny has already said, like, he started, his feet started to get numb and hurt him. And he had said
2: like his uh, left ankle or something like that.
1: And he had said in the beginning, like this, if you go numb, you're done. Like that sucks. And so then you see him limp into the thing to do his drug test. And he comes back and he's like, doesn't even go back to the truck. He's like, no, I'm done. And and then it's J.D. and Norma. Norma does the clap thing. J.D. still stands there. He's like, what what did she do? And they're like, oh, she did this. And he's like, oh, and he's still waiting. He did smart. Like, I wouldn't have, uh, I would have waited, too, for an official. Did I win? Right. What's going on? And then they're like, OK, now, you know, J.D. wins. And it's so heartwarming and almost uh, made me cry was when he opens the door and he's like, honey, look, it's a bench seat. You could drive in it. He goes, I got this for my wife. And you're like, like, she's like crying and she's surprised. And it's just like, oh, so when well, he
2: was the oldest in the contest, too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what was interesting about this, too, was um, the thing. That oh, so in 2013, they made like a musical of this.
2: I saw that on YouTube, like, yeah. or like, I don't know if it was the exact musical or like it looked like some like high school, right? It, yeah,
1: that one was like an hour, but yeah, then that was what I saw. I have there's a thing that I'll try to share is um, of them at the premiere. And so Benny's there, he's got gray hair now, and JD is there, and I think Norma was there, I'm not sure, but they're all there and they're like, Oh, we loved it. Like it's a musical of hands on hard body. And then on Apple music, they have the music for the album. And it's really cool. It's got JD talking about the AC unit and all that. Like, that's great. Um, I mean, uh, Don, not JD, Don and Janice and the the when they all laugh, like there's a song uncontrollable laughter and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Well,
2: Jan was the only one when you said, like, people would be fighting today. I'm like, she almost fought because she was, like, yelling that people were taking their hands off and the refs weren't calling anything. Yeah, And then they had to cut to being like, these are volunteers, like, they're doing their best.
1: Yeah, which I think that would definitely happen where you'd have somebody, some kind of, dare I say the word, Karen, that would be like, what the fuck? These people aren't doing it right. At
2: that point, she was, what, like 40, 50, 60 hours already into it. So it's like at that point, she's probably already like.
1: Yeah, well, and and she had said her and the two other girls had seen it, and they were all. But yeah, it was part of that. It was sometimes you go, is that just her making excuse to get out of it and be like, mm-hmm. no, nah, they're cheating. Um, but yeah, well, I'm, they, look, uh... I'm look
2: I'm oh, sorry. I was looking. I'm looking at um IMDb. Uh, the I was looking at the reference section because I saw. The, I guess this this not necessarily, the documentary but just the hands on a hard body competition got mentioned in the movie bernie directed by richard linklater
1: oh cool okay um yeah. and then and i that clicked on place it in austin yeah
2: yeah well like a lot of linklater films right, are right, texas based because right. he's from there yeah, but then yeah. I, I clicked on the reference because the whole time i was watching the doc it reminded me of um the it's always sunny episode the gang dances their ass off where it's like oh, those 24 yeah. hour dance competition yeah. things yeah. And I guess on their podcast they talk about how this film was like um, influenced for their for that episode. Oh, oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. The um and then Matthew McConaughey produced this Hands on a Hard Body. Like he was oh one really of the producers. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, which I had I had remembered when I saw his name, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, I don't have any uh, reviews, any uh rom- Rotten Tomatoes or anything. There was nothing on there, but there was a bunch of You know this gets great reviews so um i mean there's a whole they have their own website where you can buy the on blu-ray of hands on hard body um but everybody it's on youtube i would ask this question that i normally ask but it doesn't count uh in this movie did you see anything that you think tarantino might have liked or used in a film which is no it's a documentary um but i could see why he would love it and like he explained on the the part that i played earlier on jimmy fallon where he talks about there was a documentary, which is weird because he stopped working at video archives like well, in this the... when this was out. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, cause this came out in 97, but, um, our star rating system here is one to five, five being the best. I rate this movie. Uh, I rate it four out of five. Um, maybe four and a half. I don't know. What do you give it? Maybe I should say five. I don't know. I would
2: say four to four and a half. Um, I do agree. I think it was Tarantino's interview with Jimmy Fallon where he said like, if you're invested at the beginning, yeah. by the end of it, it definitely pays off. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I will say probably the only thing he probably got influence from with this documentary is maybe like the hateful eight with just like being in that enclosed space and like yeah that psych that uh psychological effect of like who can you trust and who's actually like yeah kind of that sense i mean this is an individual competition but like kind of like the longer time goes on like um how people deal with certain like being in the same position i guess
1: yeah the more i think about hateful eight the more i like it like i was with you in a way of like he wrote it like it would it could be a play that could work but the more you think about it you're like this was done so well where you know you know, when he finds out about Dave and her, like that she died, like the candy on the floor, like and then the surprise of like so when you watch it again, you're like, you know, and she's like, I'm in cahoots. And you're like, fucking and he's waiting downstairs yeah. and she knows that they're all part of her crew. Like, oh, so good.
2: I still think um, out of Tarantino's filmography, I still think that and Death Proof are probably still my least favorites just because. I mean, it's hard to pick like right. favorite Tarantino's. Like the more the more I think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that slowly is like becoming my favorite yeah. Tarantino yeah. movie.
1: When I think about Death Proof, it's the thing of that I saw it on the Grindhouse release, so it was both movies. Yeah. And uh, Robert Rodriguez did his like a Grindhouse movie, like add missing reels, add missing stuff. Quentin did it, but his movie seemed a little too polished. He had one missing scene that was like her dancing. Well the crazy um, thing then... is cuz I've
2: seen so I first saw both of those movies as the, the director's cuts like mm-hmm. individually and Rodriguez still has like the missing reels and stuff even in his director's cut but Tarantino's like the the lap dance scene is in there and stuff Yeah but I did notice like the first half of his film has that grindhousey film grain effect Yeah. And then the moment it cuts to like the Rosario Dawson crew, it's like like, polished. It looks clean. I'm like, what this is a whole separate film. What is this?
1: Yeah. Um, would you buy this movie, rent it, or find it for free?
2: Uh probably it's a documentary. I don't I really rarely go back to documentaries. Like seeing them once is enough for me. So I probably uh seeing it for free or if like renting it like for
1: cheap do you think you'd share it with people? Like that would be good to share it with somebody.
2: I did or... share it with somebody. Oh, cool. Actually, I, actually today I was talking, there's a, there's a guy at my work that me and him talk about a lot of movies and stuff. Like we were literally talking about the, the new Indiana Jones today. Cause he uh, said he saw the, the original Raiders of the Lost Ark in theaters like 10 times. So like uh-huh. me and him talk about a lot of like old school movies, me and him both love John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, and I was telling him about this documentary. I'm like, I'm like, telling him about it and at first he's like oh it's just a a competition i'm like no you get invested like (laughs) if you're invested in the first five minutes by the end of it you will be glad you stayed for the whole ride
1: for sure i Um, told him
2: i was like just watch it because there's a guy who's like i'm just gonna eat snickers the whole time and he's like all right i'm (laughs) gonna watch that
1: well and that's the thing that's good that everybody on the group a lot of the people in the group chat on twitter were like watching it again because they were like i gotta watch that part again or the the part where it's going along the fence and you hear all the voices, you know, the way it's edited was like moving up to that. Like, it's real cool. Um, they do that shot twice, but that first time is really cool. I
2: will say for a documentary, it is very well edited and very like cinematic. Yeah, because um, there there's a lot of documentaries I've watched or a lot of docuseries where I'm just like, all right, it's just a lot of talking heads and like B roll. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, this is not really grabbing my attention. Well, um,
1: and it it's a thing that you really realize about directing and stuff that you know it's part of that it's part of that editing like you could film all that footage put it out you and i would put out two totally different documentaries exactly it's like, it's like you said about that editing thing and i talked about on here or somewhere was a diehard the original diehard came out with a editing thing where you could edit the when he's like give us the codes or we're going to shoot you in the head and Takagi's like, I'm not going to give him to you. And he shoots him and you're like, holy shit. And it was edit. It was a thing where you could edit. Okay. Cut to uh, Gruber cut to, you know, cut to all these people. And then you put it together and then you're like, oh, this is why I'm not John McTiernan, because I would edit this totally. And you've seen the way it is. So it's hard to not edit that way. But right. It's just it's those things that make you appreciate it uh, more. But yeah, I could see sharing this with people and especially what's good that it is free is being like, hey, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Here, let me shoot you a link. Exactly.
2: Well, I think that's uh, going back to like how things are edited too. Like that's like probably something I think about a lot from going to film school is like going into film school and leaving film school. It's like now being like a writer, director and like working on like like, sushi and stuff. Like I'm more conscious about what's in the frame. Like, why am I shooting it this certain way? Like, what am I trying to emphasize with this shot? Like, I'm more thinking about that and like, especially everything in the shot and like how it's composed. Yeah. Um, versus like going into film school and being like, I'm just going to do another, like, I'm going to be like Tarantino and yeah. just film it this way because it looks cool. It's like, no, I'm now I'm more conscious of like, we're filming it this way because this is what happens in the story. This is why it's important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that like was, say, and like, I was just going to say, that was my thing when I went to, I did like, I took a screenwriting class, two screenwriting classes or one, whatever, took some video production classes. And was like, okay. And just thinking like, oh, if I did a movie, I'd do a Hitchcock. Yeah, i do Hitchcock. I'd do... So it's like the shots, but it's like, what does that mean? Like, are you working... Like Quentin said, he didn't even understand until after he wrote Reservoir Dogs. And somebody's like, what's your... um, What's your... Uh, ah, fuck. And he was like, oh, okay. And it was that it's a father-son thing, that Mr. Orange is a son, Mr. White like, is a father. Theme of like the... What's your... There was a word for it i can't think of. subjectivity or something um not anyway it was something forgive me for not knowing it um but it's those things where you might write the script and be like oh yeah this if you write a story you go oh this is what it is but when you edit something together you could do a bunch of cool shots but then all it'd be is transformers so, right
2: well and that's how it was with like beyond the mezzanine is like we wrote it with all these themes in mind and then like me visualizing in my head i'm like all right we're gonna shoot it this way because it'll emphasize these themes yeah and then having reoccurring like motifs and reoccurring parallels is a big factor in this uh in the story because I'm, I'm like we can film all these characters the same exact way because everyone in the story has like that same connecting yeah like, uh through line basically yeah.
1: yeah very cool uh you ready to get to phil's film favorite of the week
2: let's go now
1: for Phil's film favorite of the week. It is The Flash from 2023. I know a lot of uh, cinephiles may be like, what the fuck, The Flash? Like, you saw fucking, you sell out. Um, but it's really cool. I really liked it. And I saw it by myself. Chip's like, I can't go to a movie by myself. Like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm like well, the wife's nice. like, you know. It's very nice. Oh, yeah. And, um, and well, it's like even, uh, I forget what it, Quentin was talking about. He went and saw something one saw it by himself and then he goes again to kind of see it by himself to take it in more and then the third time he takes somebody with him like back in the day like let's go see blowout like he would do that like um, but the flash I don't have the plot here but basically it's flashpoint but uh, with a female Superman um, supergirl, and it's real cool they had all these little I don't want to give it away but they had like it's the multiverse so you know that so they got like george reeve in there they got adam west in there like little things and you're like oh man that's cool and they have a really cool one that i won't tell you about
2: but i feel like i know what it is i feel like it's also been spoiled on twitter like everything in that movie has been spoiled honestly it could have
1: been and one of the guys on our twitter group was like something about somebody getting a paycheck and i was like yeah i hear you but um but yeah it's it's really cool and you know michael keaton is batman was cool my wife's like you saw batman without me i'm like no i saw michael keaton in batman in the flash yeah. And I go on it also had the one that you hate, which is Ben Affleck's Batman. Like she was like, give me Christian Bale. Like, I don't want fucking.
2: That was like, I was saying, I'm like, Ben Affleck, he was fine in the movie. I will say Ben yeah, Affleck yeah. was fine yeah. for well, like, it, it was cool seeing him again. I'm like, if Christian Bale came back for like just a little cameo, everyone would have lost their mind. But like, he definitely does yeah. not want to come back to yeah. be Batman. He's like, I'm done.
1: Oh yeah. And then there was the bigger reveal that I was thinking of somebody with long hair, but there was the yep. other reveal at the end that was great. That was
2: cool. And Um, he's also said he would never come back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, But uh, what was... I think I gave that one maybe four or four and a half. Um, Here's the thing with Letterboxd reviews. My wife is like, what would you give that movie? I go, I gave it a four or five. And she's like, so you give The Departed a five, but you'll give this shitty 1972 movie a fucking four. You're saying it's as good as The Departed. Well, no, honey. In this genre, It's good and my buddy goes there should be breakdowns of letterboxed
2: grindhouse right,
1: movies letterboxed horror movies you know there's
2: so many there's so many breakdowns of like movies cuz like i feel like the same way on letterbox where i'm like i rated this a 5 but like i also rated this a 5 and they're definitely not on the same yeah. level of like obviously like again the departed or like a b b horror movie that i just love cuz it's horana 2 and yeah, that movie's yeah. the movie's so campy and awesome yeah.
1: or even yeah or even if you like we i talked about last week uh samurai cop you would be like i'm gonna that's give a that five. four yeah no, or a samurai five. Cop's yeah a five. that's a
2: that's, <laughs> that's a six out of five what are you talking about
1: exactly um do you have any uh phil uh favorites of the week
2: i would say i mean i saw the flash i probably wouldn't give it a four um i think you give it a four or four and a half i would probably give it Maybe a three, three and a half. Uh, kind of the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it was fine. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it was still fun. Um, I wouldn't say it's a my film favorite of the week. I would say a TV series, though, to recommend is if it's it's it finished a couple weeks ago. But the TV show Barry on HBO.
1: I heard that that's good. It I starts. Need to it's get into four it.
2: four seasons, eight episodes a season. It starts off as like a dark comedy. Like it's more comedic the first couple of seasons but as each season progresses it progressively gets like darker and darker and by the by the fourth season it's like a drama with like comedy bits sprinkled throughout
1: oh that's cool yeah
2: but it was probably like one of the best written shows of the last like decade honestly wow um best like one of the best directed like series also bill hader directed the whole last season
1: oh cool it's, yeah I...
2: it's so it's such a good show
1: yeah oh i need to get on that
2: there's a whole in season three he does a whole like one take of him on a motorcycle getting onto the 405 freeway in la Uh and it's a motorcycle chase of just tracking this motorcycle down the freeway oh wow it's so well choreographed it's amazing
1: wow that's cool
2: man that'd probably be my recommendation of or like my favorite of the week even though the the show ended a couple of weeks ago when Succession ended as well. And now we're left with which is kinda,
1: it's kind of cool. Like a long time ago, there was a movie before you were born called China Beach. And it was like MASH, but in Vietnam. And and they were like at the height of their career, you know, of their stuff. And then all of a sudden they were like, we're ending the show. And I was like, why would they end the show? And it was like, mm. because we want to go out on top. Like, why wait till it fizzles out? Like, we're going to go out. Right. And I remember I was always like, they should have kept going. But that's the thing. If you end succession, you know, just like that mic drop, then people are well, like,
2: and, okay. And there's a story Bill Hader tells about, like, how Barry ends in season three and mm-hmm. how he runs into he runs into Larry David and Larry David like, I just finished Barry. It was great. And Bill is like, well, I think I'm going to think we're going to do one more season. He's like, why? I finished it. It's done. Yeah. And he's like, no, I think there's more story to tell. Yeah. And you'll and you'll understand why, because like you feel like it could end at yeah. season three, but there's still a lot like once you watch season four, you're like, oh, this is like where they went was like really well done of how they could have explored it.
1: Well, and that's where my favorite movie last week was um, Across the Spider-Verse and you're like that one. you're like, how long is this going like i fucking loved it. It's, i thought it was better in the first but some people are like the first oh, one agree. had more heart I'm, than the mm. second one but no, it was a thing of, think... it was it was a thing where i thought it was going away i was like okay we're going to end like the other one kind of ended and then all of a sudden at the end it's like boom like and you're like oh it continued
2: you know shit. i knew across the spider verse was like a part 1 of a part 2 cuz like I think when they announced it, they said like across oh, the Spider okay. Verse Part One, part, right. part Two, and then they changed the titles. But uh, uh, Into the Spider Verse is really good. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I like Across the Spider Verse more because Into the Spider Verse is again, you're just typical origin story, and then Across yeah. like elevates everything from the first movie and beyond. And I really loved. Like it was two and a half hours, and like yeah. I looked at my watch when it was about to end, and I'm like, this did not feel like two and a half. And I I could honestly watch another hour of this. Yeah,
1: yeah. it just uh, it just flew by. Uh, speaking of flying by, I just thought of this because you were talking about how quick it went. So I found out that Superman from 1978 had a three hour extended cut because some friends of mine from Brothers and Armchairs podcast did mm-hmm. um their last episode together. They did Superman 1978. So, they talked about how there's the regular theatrical version, then there's the special edition, but then there's an extended cut that's three hours and eight minutes long. And I was like, well, shit, I got to see this. And they were saying, in a way, it's like a rough cut,
2: mm-hmm. but like an assembly cut, just of like yeah, everything they filmed.
1: But, but I want because like some of the shots will go a little further where you like how to cut it, but it's really good. And it fucking flew by where I'm like, holy shit, like three hours already went by? Like, that was great. That's
2: kind of like the the Snyder uh, Justice League. Like, it's four mm. hours, and, like, you don't see the flash until, like, an hour and ten minutes into the movie, and you're like, it kind of just flies by, and yeah. then you have your, like, uh, if they were going to do it in two movies, you could definitely see where the first movie was going to yeah. end, and the second movie would have started. Yeah. Um. There's apparently also a three-hour cut of Batman Forever, the Val Kilmer one,
1: I think I heard that yeah it's I called the, the Schumacher trying to cut it. Get it released or something I, I think or Kevin Smith what, has seen it
2: yeah Kevin Smith saw it and I think they're actually gonna try to get it released maybe for like the 30th anniversary cuz it came out in what 95 something
1: yeah 95 yeah. cuz
2: yeah. Batman and Robin yeah. was 97 so it had to be 95 yeah. 94 yeah, 92
1: was the first was the returns yeah
2: and 89 was the original
1: but are you ready to tell people it's coming to come back Next week, June thirtieth, when uh, Tim won't be here, but Chip will. Uh, sorry, Tim. Um, it's okay. I'll
2: be. I'm gonna be pretty busy.
1: That's right. So come back on June thirtieth for. Oh, you just talked about Piranha 2, Piranha 1,
2: 1978.
1: Oh, Dante. So, yeah, that's uh 19. I've seen that one. You have uh, IMDb to tell people what uh, Piranha is about?
2: I just got it up right now. Are you ready? Yep. All right. When flesh eating piranhas are accidentally released into a summer resort's rivers, the guests become their next meal directed by joe dante produced by roger corman so good my uh my thing says the
1: exact same thing pretty much that's what else is good is roger corman brought in all these directors who Mm -hmm. just knew you know knew how to do it you know knew they learned from making movies on the cheap so then you got like ron howard and you know james cameron Joe Dante, i think also um,
2: um frank darabont um, worked as like pas on, on some of those productions too
1: this movie real quick is on peacock um so if you have peacock for five bucks watch it there or uh, roku channel or voodoo for free with ads or Tubi for free with ads or if you have a library card canopy or crackle or shutter or pluto so it's on everything
2: I think. Oh, th- yeah. And Piranha Two um, was also uh, Joe Dante's first uh, directorial debut solo.
1: Joe uh, Joe Dante. Uh, Piranha One was.
2: Yeah, that was his yeah, first yeah, movie. Yeah. Like he directed another movie before that, but he did like a kind of co-director thing. This was his first like by himself. Yeah. Uh, film.
1: And that's uh, didn't Jonathan Demme started with Roger Corman too, didn't
2: he? I think so. Yeah. A lot of people did. Like that's yeah, what I'm saying. I yeah, think Frank Darabont.
1: Yeah. That's what's cool. That's what's cool about it is, you know, that that's how they say, like, there's things where you have to think outside the box. If you're going to go film, and that's a good thing about you guys writing your own stuff, where if you're like, well, we got to film this shot. Well, we can't get this shot. How do we do it? Um, well, let's change it up and do it in the middle of the street and just circle around them like Michael Bay or, you know, whatever. That was a call to mm-hmm. suit. But, you know, stuff like that where when you're doing it on the cheap, you're not thinking of the, exp- or even like a Robert Rodriguez, who's like, you know, we don't need all this fancy shit. I can do it this way, you know?
2: Well, oh, so. I also didn't realize this. I'm looking at more Piranha info, oh, but okay. you know, the film, uh, Matawan from
1: 1987.
2: Yeah. Uh, directed by John sales. He was a co-writer on Piranha.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, John sales. So good. Like Lone so he Star. Got our, he got, and, yep. um, that other one
2: with an M not matter what. so he got his start with uh Roger Corman too
1: yeah that's so good so great like yeah. Roger
2: I was, uh, Roger Corman he he does a lot of uh rip of what's popular at the time but he yeah. he knows what to do like yeah. he is like I've compared uh Roger Corman to like Jason Blum of like mm-hmm. today i yeah. like I feel like Jason Blum is a modern day Roger Corman we're like not everything yeah. he does is great but like yeah. he brings in all these like great people
1: yeah yeah knows how to do it um here is a trailer for piranha who could have imagined they were there who could have predicted they would attack and now
3: who would survive piranha they're here you get Stay back! piranha they're hungry what's the matter with you unstoppable stop that keep your hand out of the water what's wrong with the water the water is filled with carnivorous fish they call them the devil fish because wherever they go hell waits below they breed like flies there'll be no way to stop them suddenly no one is safe Everyone must be warned. The water is now a human death trap. Two people have been killed up there, and more
2: have been killed all along the river. Gotta believe us.
3: These are the man eaters who go beyond the bite of all other jaws. Sharks come alone, piranha come in thousands they by the scent of blood. They live by the taste of flesh. With razor teeth, they can strip a man to the bone in a frozen instant of terror. Piranha. They're here. They're hungry. They'll eat you alive.
1: Who can stop them? All right. Is that everything? You have anything to uh, share with people? You got something to say to Chip? Bad words?
2: Chip, Chip, we need to do a show together. I'm going to show up at your your house and we're going to do a show.
1: I think I told him, I was like, well, what if I don't do like, because Indiana Jones coming out next week. And I'm like, I'm like, that's on the 30th, Chip. I don't know if we can record like, you know, because I'm going to go on Thursday to go see it. And he was like, no, like I was like, what if I do all the research for you? And I give it to you to read. And he's like, no, I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. But also that takes away from what makes Chip chip where he can be like, you know what I see in rope is the Joker and Batman. I'm like, I never even thought of that, but okay.
2: Right. Yeah. I think the only things I, I, I got pretty much everything I need to say. I'm my, my film beyond the mezzanine Um, trying to film that, get the money for it. So we can officially film it.
1: Yeah. And you're going to scout locations tomorrow.
2: Yeah, so by the time this episode comes out, I will by the time this episode comes out, I will be in Ohio, but the day before it I'll be in okay. Chicago to okay. location scout, yeah. Yeah. We're going we're looking at one of a a potential theater to use for the primary location.
1: Yeah, on uh on your Instagram there were some pictures of that theater, couple pictures. That's the one. Look awesome. That's the one
2: we're going to the the most recent one on my Instagram. That's the one we're going to look at. So cool. we have a we have a scheduled tour with them and we're going to be talking with their because that theater in particular, they actually do rent out spaces, but like it's mainly renting out for like actual productions right. or like they have like a banquet hall to like rent out for like events and stuff. But we're gonna be like, hey, we want to use this for a film. Can we look at potential locations and like kind of discuss something to work well, out? Because
1: yeah, and check if the back, if the hallways are like you imagine, or if there's a office or you know all that. So which there's a, there's an, but oh there is there
2: probably isn't, but there's another. The location I also posted about for, like, the courtyard and stuff, mm-hmm. um, that particular, oh, I can tell you, at, like, off-air, right, right, is, but, right, right. but a lot of those buildings have that gothic look, and then their interiors were also built in the 1800s, so it has Ooh. that look we're going for. So we might use that location for, like, the courtyard and some exteriors, and then their some of their interiors for, right. like, the skeleton of the theater. And then yeah. the theater we mainly need for, like, the auditorium the lobby the dressing rooms and maybe some um yeah. other parts that yeah. we might like yeah um because i remember watching uh alejandro in talk about birdman and how everything in that film is obviously it's a one take or made to look like a one take yeah and he says the only parts of that film that are in a theater is whatever's on the actual stage because they rented out a theater on broadway and they can only have it for like five days oh wow Everything else that the skeleton of the theater is like a studio or like a wow. sound stage, yeah
1: that's what's it's that movie magic that is. I was thinking of that the other day. I forget what for, but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. But if that is all, thank you for joining us. We hope you had fun and maybe learned something, but who knows? because it was a documentary about a movie that may have had a part in making Tarantino goodbye. Goodbye.